is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his exact twin, minus being born and raised in Kentucky and his heroic military service and being born to a completely other mother, Kent Chungus. My daughter, Where are you calling from? Oh, hi, Kent. Hey, uh, it's good to see you. How? It's good to see you too. Over the last hour and a half. How? Yeah, I feel like we have so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, a lot to get off our chests. Yeah, a lot to get off our chests. Actually. It's funny that I can write all of the script that I'm about to share and like none of it comes up in the uncut. It's <laughs> I come to the script and I'm like, oh, boy, we got a lot to talk about. So let's just jump right in. OK. OK, I got a question for you. <sighs> hey, Kent. Hey, 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 did you know that there are no funny jokes that you can say about mental illness? Hold on, just give me a minute. <laughs> okay, while you're thinking, and before we lose a bunch of people, let me state that I was struck recently by an article by a woman who wrote about using humor to help her cope with her mental illness. So when I say that there are no funny jokes that you can say about mental illness, I mean you and I can say oh, about okay. Mental illness. Okay. This woman makes a really good point in that she uses humor to actually help her her own mental health. I like what this woman, uh, her name is Victoria Maxwell. I like what she says about her approach to humor in dealing with mental health. She has two rules. Rule number one, if you don't have mental illness, it ain't your rodeo to ride in. I live with multiple mental health issues. It's up to me if I want to joke about them or not. If you have a mental illness, you have the same choice. I like that rule. I think that's a pretty I cool don't. rule. <laughs> it really feels exclusionary at the same it's, time. No, I mean, I, as somebody who has, uh, I'm taking many medications, mm. for me to say you can't joke, I think that's total bullshit. I, I okay. disagree with that entirely. And I think this woman is wanting some kind of victimhood that she can clasp onto because <laughs> it's really cool right now. Well, I think she's wanting something to hold on to to put herself in, in, in a uh, in a special uh, category. A special category. That's what she's yeah. wanting. Yes, you. I I guess through a certain prism, you could look at it that way be, because she is writing an article about all this. Yes. <laughs> uh, her second rule: I don't make fun of people with mental illness. Yes, I may make fun of myself, but mostly I discover the humor in the situations I find myself in because I have a mental illness. Um, I think the caveat: I hate there, people like this. <laughs> I can't stand to be around people like this. These people I, I, that can dish it but can't take it. Well, okay, all right, and I don't know, like, like if you went to her and said, "What about comedians? Like, where?" What, do they no, have absolutely not jump up on stage slap them in the face and then say keep my name out your mouth she, keep my yeah, wife's name she, out your mouth and if she is that way i am bummed i am bummed because i think there are, are a few s s bastions left in society where uh our society needs to be able to have free reign and that is one of those is Comedy. Like, think about what life would be like if we never had Andrew Dice Clay. 
<laughs> you know? Not much different. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, before you, when you were writing this, you were like, who's the most least funny comedian that's ever existed? <laughs> Was your you know second like. was your second example Chelsea Handler? <laughs> Did you have Amy Schumer on there too? What I what I really like Cat Williams about, was that your? <laughs> what I really like about doing these episodes with you is I write these scripts thinking I'm super smart, <laughs> and then you open your mouth and like I'm like. Okay, as soon as he's done, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to pretend like I never said what I just said. You should have used, like, Bill Hicks, <laughs> Sam Kennison, Richard Pryor. Okay. okay. What I mean, I guess, is not not what I mean, I guess. What I, what I meant was... Andrew Dice Clay was sort of like the Archie Bunker of humor. Like, he, he tried to push envelopes um, that he knew were uh, taboo. You know what I mean? They they all did. They all did. Um, but that he survived at all and wasn't like lynched is still kind of surprising to me. You know, because a lot of people would not say he was a comedian. Yeah, because I think the punchline is so important. Shock jock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, okay. You're right. Everybody you listed was actually a, probably a better choice. Richard Pryor, that. probably the most influential. Uh, stand-up comedian that has ever existed. You chose Andrew Dice Clay, <laughs> who is right Speaking next of- to Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> Richard Pryor. <laughs> okay, you've made your point, and I actually concede my point to you because you're correct. There, there are, there are, there are better, more, you know. Like you said, uh, speaking of Richard Pryor, did you ever see that SNL with him and um, Chevy Chase, the the really race the the racial one? I don't. That was anything Where that the, Richard Pryor was involved in. That was his like bread and butter. He was so he funny. Did this dude. one. It was, was about the N word. Oh on my SNL. god! I've got to look it up after we get done recording. Yeah, I don't even. It's hard to find, but it's out there. You can find it. Oh my gosh! It's. It's an eye opener, and it's it it makes you laugh, you know. Um, what about the N word? Okay. <laughs> Watch the skit. what's the N word? Get it? Which word is that? <laughs> Neutral. Neutral is what oh, okay. the N word. <laughs> you know, just like Switzerland. And that's how you feel about its usage. <laughs> exactly. I'm neutral. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, this gal, I read through her list of funnies, and I, I'll be honest, not all of them were funny. She's not a comedian. Uh, but some of them made me chuckle. Um, I also insur- ensured that I was alone and that nobody else heard me chuckling when I was laughing at what I thought was funny about what she was saying. Kind of like letting all of the rap lyrics play in my head, but not actually say all of the rap lyrics yeah. out of my mouth, yeah. if you know what I yeah. mean. I have boundaries, even if it doesn't seem like it. Uh, is, do you listen to rap music? Absolutely. I love hip hop. And do you, I was so listening you to listen- Two Chains Right. I don't know. Well, five hours ago. Now it feels like. <laughs> so we talked for three hours before we ever recorded anything. That's true. We did. We had a lot to cover, though. Um, so do do you do you do you listen to music that may have the N word in it? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Do you rap mainly from a white artist? <laughs> 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 
you're really into the Aryan Brotherhood, <laughs> you know, those bands, there's some real bangers out there. A lot of Johnny um, Rebel. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> no, I listen to a lot of hip hop, a lot of NWA stuff like that. NWA. Okay. And, yeah. So a lot of N words. Yeah. Yeah. Do you rap along with the lyrics? Yes. Okay. And if so, what do you do when you get to certain words? And at home, I just say it. Okay. Because if you've got a problem, uh, by the way, if you've got a problem with what I say to myself in my house when nobody's <laughs> listening, you need to you need to like go do something. <laughs> no matter how, t- even if I was reciting word for word Adolf Hitler's speeches and believing it in my heart, <laughs> if I'm doing it to an empty bedroom and nobody's hearing it but me, go do something else. Because you don't need to worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, and it never makes it in any other aspect of your life. But yeah, I would never like say, I would never rap the song like out in public. Yeah. Um, It's weird. It's a weird art form when you think about it that we can only appreciate it in certain light. Um, You know, and I kind of feel sad about that, but, you know, it is what it is. I wonder how they feel about that. You know, I I wonder if you asked, if you took a hundred rappers and said, how do you, what is what are your thoughts about people singing all the lyrics, you know, in their home alone, but when they go outside, they don't sing them all. I, w- I would be interested to see how that that balances out as far as that equation. Like how many say, you know, they should be able to. Anyway, it's a weird, weird topic. It is uh, because you're not like I'm not saying it because I'm like disrespect. I love the song. It's like the opposite. Yeah. Like I know every word right. of of the, of the song and i want to say every word of the song because i'm into the song in that moment of time and when you censor yourself for a moment it kind of takes you out of the song like yeah you know and there's i mean hip-hop and rap is probably 50 percent of what i listen to so yeah i mean yeah i love the music um I really, uh, at a time in my life when I was really into, well, I'm still really into Tool, but I listened to Tool and like Einsters and the Neubotten and Skinny Puppy and a bunch of like really like industrial bands and stuff. I also listened to a little band called Body Count. All these bands sound like they're from Portland. (laughs) Did you say Skinny Kitten? (laughs) Skinny Puppy. Oh. Um, oh, that's way better. I thought you said skinny kitten. And I was like, that sounds like a stupid name. <laughs> no, uh, body count. And um, uh, it had a song like Cop Killer. Mm. And, Is that uh, hip hop? Oh, yeah. Body count. Um, Ice-T formed body mm. count. I'm not a big Ice-T fan. More of an Ice Cube guy. Okay. Well, we each have our ices that we yeah. like. Uh, you know, and Ice-T, I think, gra- graciously somehow transitioned to actor, which is you know, yeah. always an interesting... Rat went from hating cops to portraying one. To being yep. them. Yeah, it's, <laughs> wow, that's a pretty steady, tra- uh, you know, pretty smooth transition. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I had a period in my life where it, the, there's something about... Being in a room and saying every single word to a song and not having to stop and letting the energy rise and rise. Because if you have to skip some words, it kills the vibe. It kills the rhythm. It does. It does. Yeah. 
Uh, I also run into this a lot in music. Um, did, did you know that there was a thing back in the medieval times that was called the devil's chord? Uh, no. Okay. You want me to show you what the devil's chord yeah. was? Is right. that like the brown noise? Show- the brown noise? <laughs> no. Check this out. Okay. So tell me, can you hear this? Yes. All right. So in medieval times, you could play, you could make a song using any, any set of notes as long as they sounded positive. So like the key of C, it sounds like this. Okay. And you could use chords out of that like this. Very positive, right? Very lovely sounding. And so you can make all this all this music out of there. Um, if you tried this chord, you get beheaded. Oh. Yeah, this chord. And I don't agree with that. Yeah, beheaded again. I don't think you should be. Yeah, beheaded. That'll, that'll get killed. You've died six times in yeah, the last ju- minute. Like, talk about because body it was, count. Uh, because it was, <laughs> why, why, though? It's not even a scary sound. What it, what it, it, it denoted when you used negative chords was that it was the antithesis to uh, music that re- that uh, embodied the resurrection, the resurrection. Uh, so positive chords uh, attributed themselves to the beauty and the completeness of the resurrection, but any negative chords were evil. They were the opposite of. I mean, I you can't. Can you say you disagree? That's how it starts. Right. Well, One yeah. minute you're you're playing negative chords. Next minute you're on heroin. You're yep. sucking dick for, you know, exactly for eight balls. It starts with negative chords. It does every, every time. Ask anybody. Time. Go up to any addict. Be like, hey, how did it start? Well, one day I was at the piano, played a negative chord. Yeah. Like, could you? Okay. If you're, I've heard it a this, million times. If you're playing this. You're not thinking, I'm going to go kill grandma. No. You're not. You're not. Now do the same thing, but make it negative. Okay. See, I just got rage. I felt felt rage build up. I don't know why. Yeah. Something about that. I felt felt homicidal. Like going into the woods and starting a coven. That's what I felt like. I'm going to go buy heroin. Yeah, me too. I think after we get done here. I'm going to stick sticks in a cadaver, hang them from a tree. Oh man, look what it did to us. Well, anyway, those chords could have ruined your day. Um, anyway, what year was that? Did you say medieval times? Year, which was <laughs> the twelve hundreds, eleven nine hundreds to oh, okay. you know. Okay, think castles and knights. I was going to say uh, Beethoven. I guess came out because the Moonlight Sonata oh. would got him beheaded yeah. like twenty million times. Full of, full of minor chords. Yeah, man. that He would have been beheaded like note two. He was 1700s, right, Beethoven? Ah, uh, good question. Alexa, when was Beethoven? Ludwig van Beethoven was born on December 16, 1770. Yeah, 1770. Yeah. And I just made everybody's Alexa go off when I said that. That's fun. Hey, Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, what's the weather like in Poughkeepsie, New York? <laughs> in Poughkeepsie, New York, it's 
in New York. Oh. <laughs> 66 degrees Fahrenheit with showers. Tonight, you can look for okay. anyone. Alexa, stop. <laughs> That's fun. Can your Alexa hear me? Uh, Hold on. Yeah. Okay, go. Alexa, who is Jenna Jameson? Jenna Jameson. Oh, she said the name and then she didn't say anything else about yeah, it. Yeah, she's like, you piece of shit. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, I I read another really interesting article about um, mental health, you know, kind of on this trip at the time reading articles about mental health and how it's portrayed in our daily lives. And the article was titled, literally, this was the title, Stop Blaming Mental Illness. And... Yeah, uh, uh, mental illness, especially amongst, I feel like, teenage girls is, like, super cool. Yeah. And Vogue. Right now. Yeah. And Vogue. It's really cool to be depressed, man. Yep. Or bipolar. Well, and even in politics, like, it actually, right now, it's very timely on some very political hot-button subjects. And actually, this article was from 2019, but it was addressing some of those things that that we are dealing with right now in 2022. And I'm not going to discuss those directly, but I found some really good universal truths in the article that I thought were good to remember for everyone. And they'll, they'll, you're, you're going to know what I'm talking about as far as what the article was uh, aiming for, but it's interesting how he got to kind of where we sit as far as mental health and why it is the case, the way it is right now. So did you know that <clears throat> that according to the National Council for Behavioral Health, the best estimates are that the that individuals with mental illness are responsible for less than 4% of all violent crimes in the United States. That seems I, I, low. That seems low. Yeah, right? It seems like really low. So now put a pin in that in your head thinking, okay, why does it seem low, right? Ask ask yourself that question as I keep going here. Less than a third of the people who commit mass violence are diagnosably mentally ill. Less than a third. Seem low again? Yes. Yeah. Uh, mass violence? Uh-huh. Yeah. I would guess 80 I would have guessed 80%. I think if you walked the street, you'd get people to say, I don't know, 80, 95. I mean, they'd be really high. Okay, now so compare that to some of the contrasting very visible things that we see in the media and what we see play out in like courtrooms every single day. Here here's a terrible contradiction for you. Let's say you walk on down to the store today and you shoot up the place and you kill some people in the process and then are subsequently arrested because you're not a coward and you take your own life. You're arrested. What angle, Kent, what angle do you think that your lawyer is going to take to try and use in your defense? Insanity. Right off the bat, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. Gu- that's- guilty by reason of insanity, right? Yeah. It's like the old ace in the pocket yeah. for lawyers. So I find this to be really uncomfortable in that statistically, based on current research and data, like the article says in the journal Science, which is where this article can be found, that individuals individuals with mental illnesses are responsible for less than 4% of all violent crimes in the United States. But yet, every defense lawyer worth their salt is going to at least try and factor in an insanity plea if the crime seems even any bit insane, right? Yes. So this leaves the heavy lifting in a courtroom um, 
to be done by always on an individual basis, which I guess is a double-edged sword. You you don't want some other court case necessarily influencing you's all yours, although that's kind of how court works. So they're always going to be judged on an individual basis by professionals who take the stand, like psycho- psychiatrists, psychologists, juries, and judges. Uh, but lawyers can just insert this plea willy-nilly, like every single time. It's crazy to me. I agree. It's crazy. You agree that it's crazy? I agree that it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, and if I would if you take that data and that and you lean heavy on that, it should we should be able to state that well that seems like a travesty then that a, that every lawyer can just use that in their plea even if it's thrown out. It just seems like wasted tax dollars. Like you're wasting our time. It's yeah. he's not crazy. Statistically speaking, this article though it says it's it basically says that we should stop being so flippant with mental illness and smug about summing up tragedies as being committed by the mentally ill is what it's trying to say. But here, let me make this situation just a bit more awkward. Okay, we all know that there is research in the field of mental illness. But when it comes to funding for research of mental illness, we know that it isn't, I don't know, as many people in like marketing might say, as sexy as cancer. And when they say that, they mean that cancer is so prolific and has touched so many lives that it's easier to make a plea for people's dollars to fund cancer research. So in truth, mental illness is actually an awkward thing to fund. And even though well, also can- because mental illness is kind of like you can through testing prove that somebody has cancer. Yes, exactly. It's a- an ob- absolute. Exactly. There's actually a, a ball of stuff that, that is provable as cancer. That you can see. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't help that mental illness probably has cancer beat I don't know, probably 10 to one in diversity and range of illness variants. Like, you know, no two people with mental illness are necessarily the same. You know what yeah. I mean? Mental illnesses are like Pokemon. <laughs> how, how are you reading my script? Did you know that was the analogy? <laughs> That's Charizards and Bulbasaurs and Diglets. They evolve. They have evolutions. It's like five different versions of Diglett. <laughs> Did you just say niglet? No, <laughs> diglet. Dig, okay. D-I-G-L-E-T. Yeah, I should look into that more. I feel like I'm, gonna... I'm glad you're in an empty room. <laughs> Singing my own lyrics. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, what what this all sums up to, and kind of what this article was saying is, you know, a few times a year in the U.S., we're all faced again with what to do with things like firearms deaths, and some run. To solve that, some run to gun legislation and some run to securing places that are currently gun-free zones and they make their arguments. And many, as the article posits, run to blaming mental illness and that that is where we should be putting our focus. Uh, Personally, I think the right approach amongst all of those options is yes. Yes to all of it. You know, I'm a gun owner, but I, I... I don't think we've, you know, reached the brass ring on legislation as far as gun ownership goes. You know, I think I think there's always things that we could be talking about. Um, I think you should be able to buy a tank. At the same time that I think we should have conversations about gun ownership, I also believe we should be able to buy tanks. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, but there's a fun, fun, fun fact wrapped in an uncomfortable truth. And I'll paraphrase some of the stuff from this article. So the U.S. Centers for Disease, Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC is what they're called, they've historically been the major funder of the public health aspects of firearm-related violence research. So this is actually a thing. Uh, and if you haven't heard about it, I'll tell you why. That there is research around firearms violence, firearm-related violence. And the CDC was a major funder of this. But in 1996, during one of the— You are, of course, talking about crimes involving somebody's arms are literally engulfed in flames. Yes, that's— And they're punching people. Fiery arms. (laughs) And how did we get there? That's what they want to know is how did we get to this How did this become such a problem? It's an epidemic. (laughs) People lighting their appendages on fire and then just, you know, cannonballing into— Crowds swinging their firearms around. And this is a serious thing we should be opening up a dialogue about. Uh, Well, in 96, during the Clinton era, Congress passed uh, something that's so-called the Dickey Amendment, which affected Uh (laughs) – get the giggles out. It's called the Dickey Amendment. Uh, It affected funding given to the CDC – and uh, the way that it was worded, the way that this am- amendment was worded, it was interpreted by the CDC as basically prohibiting support for any firearm-related studies. So all these people with fire on their arms now weren't getting studied at all. And therefore, the agency, they literally stopped support for any firearm-related studies, uh, f- stopped funding the research and everything. Um, there's been other agencies that that have thrown small amounts of money at it uh, since 1996, like the National Institutes of Health and the Ni- National Science Foundation. But congressional action, so basically the Congress, has stymied the majority of research when it comes to firearm related violence and this why i don't know and here's the thing you can't even say it's a political thing you can't even pin it on one political party this was literally passed this amendment was passed during clinton and then the ball has just been passed back and forth doesn't matter who's who's got the ball right or left it doesn't matter this has just continuously been squashed by both sides Okay, so suddenly things get weird and our usual finger pointing becomes more awkward. It looks like funding for this kind of research has been be, become p- completely political. And because of that, we as the people, we lose. Uh, the article goes on to say that there's now a new opportunity on the horizon, though, to apply some science to the problem of what this article focuses on, which is uh, in particular the, the topic of mass shootings. In 2019, uh, that would be during the president who shall not be named era, a funding bill passed by the U.S. House of Representatives, including $50 million for the Department of Health and Human Services to amplify their amount of research on firearm violence. Uh, it's, It's a drop in the bucket, really, for what it should be, but it's a start. And that was in 2019. So I'm almost I'm almost done with my little rant here. There was also, in my research, there was a very 
detailed plan that was laid out in 2013 for a process that can be used to investigate firearm-related violence and produce data from it. And that, even though it was done in 2013, could very easily be updated and could be part of this research that moves forward. Um, why don't you or I hear about this? Why do you, why do you and I not hear about firearm related research into firearm violence? Because it got squashed. And, and look where we're at now. Look where you and I are at or the people that we talk to and everything. We're out here talking like the problem, the problem has to be solved by media. Uh, and, and these things just keep happening. And, and, and yet, Everywhere else in our culture, when a problem gets really big, we apply research to it. We apply research to solve it. 1996 was the last time that we did research into firearm-related violence. That blows my freaking mind. That's almost 30 years. It just makes you wonder um, whose pockets, who's greasing the pockets. Not even, I mean, we know. Yeah. There, there's a there's not there's a reason obviously there's a reason my question is like some people right now when you say that they might be like well the nra is that powerful yeah that's i was gonna say the nra yeah but- and and you might be right but at the same time then how in the world does one organization like that influence both parties that's that's why i didn't say the nra yeah so it it goes to show that there must okay for every nra there's a Chicago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if we're talking about polar opposites, the NRA may be over here trying to squash data on firearm-related violence because it doesn't work in their favor. But whatever Chicago is doing to to try to quell violence ain't working either. So it's like both sides lose, I think, is the way politically if anybody starts putting any rigor around this. And so that's why I think regardless of what political power is in, it's been squashed. I, I can't figure out a real good reason for it. So I guess to sum it all up, you know, we can, as people on social media or just in normal conversation, we can discuss the Second Amendment or maybe how we can secure schools or which ones are good and which ones are black and scary looking or even go as far as to keep blaming mental illness. You were talking about guns just then. Yeah, yeah, just guns, just guns. Let me make that clear. Thank you, Kent. Just guns. <laughs> or do what we've been doing, which is some people just stand there and go, well, this is a mental illness thing. And then everybody gets comfortable with that and the tragedy moves on and we drum up support for our own biases and we feel good about whatever we said in our comment on Facebook or something. But Here's where I want to leave you with something. I'm going to tell you how you can act now with actual power to help solve some of these things. Nothing will be solved or improved until we understand it better. Mental health research needs more funding. Firearm violence research needs more funding. And so do a lot of other research efforts. If you want to actually put your money where your mouth is or get your mouth to start having fruitful conversations, Google this. CDC violence prevention. Those three words, CDC violence prevention, and click on the first link to the CDC. I'm not like, we all went through COVID and we all have mixed opinions on the CDC and, you know, a bunch of other organizations. But 
On that page, when you go to the first link to the CDC, you'll find a page full of what the CDC is working on. And each section provides you with the list of how research is being funded. Then you can take that information and there is everything. There's firearm violence prevention. There's uh, prevention of violence against uh, minors and children. Uh, there's there's a myriad number of, of research uh, pockets that the CDC oversees. You can take the information from each one of those sections and it tells you how they're being funded, where they're being funded, what legislation funds them. And then you can take that information and reach into your wallet or you can see how your representatives are voting or not voting for or against that funding, et cetera, et cetera. You might feel good about sharing opinions on these topics on social media or podcasts like I'm doing now or in just everyday conversation, but we can actually do some stuff about it too. So if that sounds like a good plan to you, get to Googling, clicking, and doing some stuff. Anyway, Kent, uh, to follow up on that, how do you feel about Neve Campbell not being in the next Scream movie? I mean, I'm not interested in anything that Neve Campbell's not in. And I called her Neve just you now. Did. Because I, I wrote it out the, and I said it phonetically. I'm more of a fan of Nev Campbell as a person than Nev Campbell as an actress. Oh, is that right? Yes. So as far as the body of work that is the Scream movie, movie, movies. Don't think they're that good. Never been a big Scream okay, fan. Okay. And you're, so you're neither here nor there. No. Personally, I think it's a bad call for any movie uh, franchise to not be in intense talks with their, their main icons of their franchise and try to try to meet their needs well i, I think, think she's probably over it man yeah, wouldn't you be a long time yeah how, how many how many how many horror conventions have you been at where you've seen her there four Three. four and then one where i was actually in her room yeah <laughs> in her <laughs> hotel room that like face to face you've had some very intimate encounters yeah. with her. Yeah, I think it's a bad call. I think it's a bad call. I, I don't necessarily watch the Scream franchise, but I just feel like in this day of Amber Heard and John D. Depp, for some reason, you should be listening to Nev Campbell about what her demands are. Nev Campbell's and the best. And we should move from there. She's, She's a great An person. angel, a sweetheart. Can't say enough good things about Nev Campbell. I just, I just don't want to see her go away from the Scream franchise to, like, end up on just Hallmark movies. Yeah, I would hate you know? to see that. I just want her to do whatever makes Neff Campbell happy. And if that's not yeah. even never doing a movie again, then I support that. I support that too. And I'm going to support it from a distance as opposed to you who supports it from her hotel room. Yes. So, um, uninvited. Two different, different strokes for different fucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Actually, speaking of bad calls, I have one. Okay. Okay. Actually, I have a call. So we're a million miles into this, and here we go. And it's not about gun violence at all. It's it's actually not oh, about gun violence. That's good to know. But what I, well, what I was trying to do with all that, and maybe this is another one of those like episodes where I went off on Shakespeare for too long, but about mental health, okay? Because I got a question that I want to wrap all this up with for you after this craziness. All right, here's the backstory. Back in September of 2009, somebody was up at 6 a.m. in a house in Westminster, California. 
Being up at 6 a.m. sounds terrible enough that I've thought about starting a podcast strictly covering the issues of why people get up so early in the morning and actually get their day going with a pep in their step and like total psychopaths. But I am, haven't figured out the whole uh, routine for that podcast, so I haven't done it yet. But in this case, psychopathy actually seemed to be a fair assessment of the situation. You see, there was a bit of a sleepover taking place at the home of Tuan Pham's house. Tuan Pham. He had welcomed his cousin Tway Lee. This is an Asian and family. Her two yeah. Tuan Pham and Tway Lee. And I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, po political incorrectness. Maybe throw out a generality or two. His name's Tuan Pham. His cousin's name is Tway Lee, and she has two daughters. Can you guess what their names are? Daughters? You, Jessica and Tiffany. You are so close. Rihanna and Joe Beth. Ooh, a lot of Joe Beths in my hometown. That's a common name here <laughs> in the Bible Belt. But are they? None of them have. But, but any are they teeth. from the same? No, none of them are Asian. I got to give you that. Wait, okay, right, yeah. So, uh, Twaley and her two little daughters, Rihanna and Joe Beth, were staying the night at Tuan Pham's house. Typically, the the cousin Twaley and her daughters stayed in their home, their own home, with Tway's boyfriend of ten years. But Tway had called and asked if they could come over to Tuan. This is gonna uh <laughs> Tway and Tuan. This is like trying to keep up with Game of Thrones. This is this is gonna be hard. Okay. I, I really quickly I shift to Lee in this conversation just so I don't have to do the the twa twa okay. twa all the twas. But anyway, they, they went and stayed asked to stay at Tuan's house and Tuan willingly accepted. So the night went fine and normal activities took place, you know, eating things, staying hydrated by drinking things as part of a balanced meal and then going to sleep when bedtime rolled around. But like I said, there was an early bird trying to get all the worms. And shortly after that bird awoke at 6 a.m., she also called 911 the bird is a human, by the way. Sorry to break from the analogy, but I need to make it clear that a human was calling 911, not an actual bird. Gasp. Are you ready for me to hit play on this? She lit her arms on fire, didn't she? <laughs> this is literally a firearms Hit story. that button. Hit it. <laughs> oh, my God. Push it Gosh. all the way in. Here we go. <laughs> Sick. Push it all the way to the base. Here we go. Now an emergency? I had to stab my daughters and myself. You just did what? Daughters. You stabbed them? Where are you calling from? Um, do you have the address? I know it's on Sasha. Okay, and what, you stabbed them with a knife? Yes. Okay. Myself and <laughs> so bloody. How old are they? Five and three, please. Yes, coming or what? Hold on. Okay, do they need the paramedics? Of course. Okay, why do you sound so calm? What? Ma'am? Oh my god. Oh my god, are you coming? We are coming. Are you coming? Ma'am? Ma'am? That was so creepy. That was like... That was weird. And, you know, we all have momentary lapses of judgment as parents. 
<laughs> I'm very interested in what you're about to say next. <laughs> I just don't want to start casting stones. <laughs> I think we should in this case. I really think we should just... Oh, okay. I don't know the story. Start hucking stones at this one. That was so creepy. What? Yeah. She she says, what? All right, here's the backstory. So, Lee, Twaley... Not to be confused with Swaley, who helped Post Malone sing the song <laughs> Sunflower, which was a good one. Was there any Edwin, N-words in that song? There wasn't. Not one. How about that? Oh, Post Malone's also white. So. Yeah, but Swaley's black. Oh. Very talented young man. So Swaley could have thrown some in if he wanted. He could have. He's loud. He didn't have, so we'll move on. All right. Lee and her daughters, Joe, Beth, and Rihanna, yep. uh, stayed overnight at the home of Lee's cousin, Tuan Pham, yep. on the night before the stabbings. And Lee and her daughters slept on a mattress on the family room floor. The following morning, sometime before 6.34 a.m., Lee went to the kitchen, got a glass of water, and retrieved a knife. Lee then returned to the family room and stabbed Joe Beth and Rihanna each in the chest a single time. After stabbing the children, Lee stabbed herself in the chest, abdomen, and wrists. After noticing that Rihanna's lip was changing color, she called 911. Tuan Pham awoke to the children crying and went to the family room. Lee was holding Rihanna. Pham asked Lee what had happened. Lee responded that Bobby caused it. Bobby is her boyfriend of 10 years. Okay. At approximately, you got a question? No, it's just like thinking about from the guy's point of view, this is, this is just like a lot before 7 a.m. It's a lot. It's a lot. You haven't He's even had co- coffee. Yeah. This is your cousin. It's not even like, you know, your your da- your sister or something. You yeah. Know, it's just like, I don't even want you to be here. I've got to yeah. be at work in an hour. Yeah. I usually only see you at funerals, and here you are stabbing people in my house. Yeah. It's six in the morning. It's a lot. You couldn't do this in the, in the p.m.? It's an excessive amount of of things to be happening at six forty two in the morning. This is a lot at six p.m. This yeah, is like a lot. I would say, yeah, at the twilight hour of the day, this is too much to deal with. I would say, yeah, uh, too much. You use the right words, too much. It's too much. Even if at you're six. You're going to do this kind of thing. You spread it out through the day. Yeah, for your cousins. All right. So Lee told investigators that she had been having relationship difficulties with her boyfriend Robert or Bobby who was actually the father of Rihanna and Joe Beth at the time of the charged defenses. Uh, she lived with Robert and had dated him, like I said, for more than 10 years, but they were having some issues. And she was uh, now blaming those issues on what she did. At approximately 6.40 a.m., Westminster police arrived at the FAM residence. Uh, Lee was sitting on the floor holding Rihanna and crying, according to Officer Hayes. Rihanna appeared lifeless and limp, they said, and her eyes were rolled back in her head. The officer took Rihanna from Lee and began to perform first aid. Officer Michael Ogawa arrived at the scene with Officer Hayes. 
And Ogawa saw three bloody knives in the kitchen sink, uh, began to assist Joe Beth, who was crying. Paramedics also arrived on the scene. And while they were working on Lee, Officer Ogawa asked Lee what had happened. And she responded that she had stabbed her children and that she wanted to kill herself. Officer Ogawa asked Lee whether she was on any medication and Lee responded in the negative. Paramedics transported Lee and the children to the hospital. Rihanna suffered a stab wound to her left chest and had emergency open heart surgery to repair a punctured wound to her heart and a full puncture of her lung. Joe Beth suffered a stab wound to her left chest, which was closed with staples. And Tway Lee suffered approximately 10 puncture wounds to her upper chest, two puncture wounds to her abdomen, and several cuts on both of her wrists. In court, there was presented evidence of statements that Lee made to law enforcement officers during interviews conducted at the hospital shortly after the stabbings. During all of those interviews, Lee admitted to stabbing the children. Lee also stated that prior to the stabbings, she was debating whether to hurt the children. Now, that's important if you think about that. Yeah, so premeditation. Yes, exactly. Um, in addition, Lee told investigators that she intended to kill the children and herself. Uh, hey, Kent, one of the things, I got to be honest, when it comes to these scripts, one of the things that I'm always worried about is that I don't put enough breathing room in the episode for you to talk or that when you do talk i'm worried that i cut you off too much do you feel like i do that to you ever no i'm just listening to all right we're back i don't know what you were saying kent uh because we had an ad come in there i didn't interrupt you the ad did talking about a time i got molested and you said to shut up you didn't, you didn't care <laughs> <laughs> no i was much more interested in that ad uh several uh back to the story Several of Lee's relatives at, at the trial testified that Lee had been acting strangely during the days leading to the stabbing. Uh, for example, Lee told Pham's wife that she was afraid of ghosts in her house. And Pham explained what had happened uh, during a subsequent phone call that he received from Tway Lee prior to the stabbing. And I actually have his audio from what he explained happening. And I thought we'd listen to it now. You ready for... Ready for me to hit play? My body is. No, oh my gosh. I saw, you know, the blood around, you know, my cousin, you know, chest. I said, and I asked her, what's going on? And uh, she uh, Hold said on. nothing. She hit said, stop. <laughs> yes. Are you doing a bit? No. Is this a bit? <laughs> no, this is for real. <laughs> Look at me in the eyes. Are you doing Should a bit? I go back? <laughs> no, I'm not doing a bit. That's not me. You think that's me? I thought that was you doing a really racist. <laughs> I would never. Start it over then. Okay, this is actually him. <laughs> uh, starting it over. I saw, you know, the blood around, you know, my cousin, you know, chest. I said, and I asked her, what's going on? And uh, she uh, said nothing. She said, she just crying, crying. I said, no, 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 I got to call police right now. You have to tell me what's going on. I look. Oh my God! Block in the in the blanket. I see her whole two baby. Oh, uh, so I I don't know. I mean, what you were saying about waking up 
And this is a lot. It is a lot. You think about, just think about inviting someone into your home and you, you know, everybody just goes to bed like normal. And then you wake up to a complete bloodbath and children are involved in everything. That would be an absolute nightmare. You know, I just, I can't get over how racist that accent is. I know. And it's even real, right? And it still sounds racist. That's, it sounded like a do. white guy doing a really, like a really offensive impression. You know what's interesting is if I said do an Asian accent, you could actually do a Russian accent because a major portion of Russia is in Asia. Yeah. So crazy. I was There's just a, that was a geography yeah. joke. Geography <laughs> joke for you. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Um, so Lee told her brother that she was very afraid that sometime something was going to happen to her. Several rel- relatives testified that Lee was a caring mother and that she did not act violently toward her children. Uh, here's what Pham said went down when he was awoken by the sounds of Lee stabbing her children. <laughs> And she kept uh, crying and asked her, hey, uh, go ahead, you guys, pray for me. That's it. And, and we asked, and we all asked, what's going on? Tell us a story. And she just kept crying, crying, and she hang up. So there was an officer on scene that was interviewed, and here's what, here's what he had to say about the incident as well. They found the mother clutching her three-year-old daughter. Um, Both the mother and this three-year-old were covered in blood. Um, Officers were directed into another bedroom where they found um, the woman's five-year-old daughter who had one stab wound to the chest. She did admit to uh, stabbing her daughters and then stabbing herself in a suicide attempt. I don't know um, if there's some marital issues happening if there's a, a mental health issue um that's a factor we i just don't know we don't have an answer to that right now okay so two things okay uh, yeah. one uh, just to clarify all the children lived correct yes okay good they did good they and did. then two this seems more like a revenge these were the children of bobby yes this is a re- this isn't mental health this is this is a revenge this is trying to hurt him. She's trying to hurt him. I, I agree with that because all the things she said, she said, Bobby caused this yeah. or Bobby did this or uh, she told her cousin, I want Bobby. Um, and, and I don't have a lot of detail. Well, actually, here's some detail I do have on the dynamic of their relationship. At one point, uh, Tway Lee had a massage parlor. <laughs> What's your you, thoughts on that? Did What's SNL it? write this? <laughs> it's playing out like just a massive general generalization, huh? Did she do nails on the side too? She had a massage parlor and the massage parlor got shut down because she was doing additional on things untoward all right you're you are you being serious right now i'm 100 percent serious i'm 100 percent serious and i would be honest i i'll be honest if i found out my wife was giving a bunch of guys hand jobs i would be unconsolable yeah. for two three hours <laughs> i would be so mad if she came home and she's like, if she worked and she came home from work and she's like yeah i mean so let's say she worked at walmart she's like I was stocking the shelves and you know it was 
it got slow for a little bit. And then around one thirty, like traffic picked up. And then it was like a hand job. I did a hand job and a couple more hand jobs, just a bunch of hand jobs. And then I came home. I'll be like, wait, let's. So the shelves. Rewind. Did you say you gave a bunch of hand jobs? I mean, I think you should have broke up with her. I agree. Well, and I think that's where it was headed. She was also abusive toward Bobby. Um, she, she, she punched him several times, called his mother a prostitute. Oh, ironic. Yeah. Said her she's pot, pot, literally a prostitute. <laughs> pot calling the kettle black there. Uh, by the way, that's a saying in case you've never heard it. Look it up before you get mad at me. Pot called the kettle black. It's actually a saying. Used so. it on plantations a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and everywhere else. Please, Kent. They did use it everywhere else. Uh, all right. Back to the story. <clears throat> During the trial, uh, Dr. Richard Lettieri, a forensic and clinical psychologist, testified that he had diagnosed Lee as suffering from a psychotic disorder, most likely schizoaffective. Dr. Lettieri stated that, in his opinion, he uh, Lee was psychotic at the time of the stabbings. Now, I'm just going to kind of kind of count on my hand how many people confirm that she's psychotic. Or has mental illness. Okay, well, that's one. In forming this opinion, Dr. Lettieri relied on uh, various pieces of evidence, including Lee's medical history. Uh, he also noted that approximately two weeks prior to the stabbings, Lee had called 911, but she refused to get in the ambulance when paramedics arrived. Uh, Lee mentioned something about a setup in refusing to get into the ambulance, like she was getting set up. Um, do the doctor also noted that just two days prior to the stabbing, a physician had diagnosed Lee as suffering from major depression with psychotic features. There's two. Um, <clears throat> psychotic features. In addition, uh, Dr. Lettieri stated that a psychiatrist who treated Lee at the emergency room immediately after the stabbing stated that Lee exhibited psychotic symptoms, that's three, and recommended that she be committed to a mental hospital. So it's three doctors so far that have said this. And I think you can hear a bit of this on the call, although brief it is. Uh, she seemed to be taken aback when the dispatcher asked her pretty basic questions about how Lee was acting. Yeah. Like, I, if I were there, I uh, this lady would have made me very mad by act, trying to act, like, astonished that the dispatcher would ask such a thing, you know. Do they need a, do they need a, what was it she asked her, do you need an ambulance? And she was like, of course. Yeah, she's like, yeah, of course. And then she's like, why do you sound so calm? Excuse me? You know, I was like, ugh awkward yeah just didn't seem to be fully connected <sighs> a lot of nerve for somebody who's given five thousand hand jobs and some stabbings at this point i mean you know yeah. we all have our limits so in this case the prosecution was leaning heavily on that lee acted in a premeditated manner so now remember the score three doctors say she's psychotic the the prosecution is going for premeditation. And that is a strategy used to try and dilute any claim that she was mentally insane at the time or that the premeditation takes priority over any statement regarding her mental instability. Yes. the Basically, that argument being that premeditation requires some level of a person being sane in order to carry out the... Which idea. is fair. Yeah, exactly. If you're up against insanity 
and this is a ringer for you know mental the definition of of uh, acting in in under uh, terms of being insane you know you got to you got to come up with something creative and and fortunately she gave a lot to the prosecution uh regarding planning activity the most impar- the most important element was that the record contains evidence of lee's statements in the immediate aftermath of the stabbings from which a jury could reasonably find that lee planned the attempted murders so you know she her testimony her actions her confessions all helped the prosecution in this case good here's what's interesting this goes on and on and the the prosecution even had psychiatrists and doctors get on the stand and they attested to the fact that she was psychotic it was like the johnny depp amber heard case it was it was like everybody was was everybody was leaning toward Lee being uh, mentally unfit. Um, uh, so in addition, Lee explained that after she picked up the knife, she was hoping somebody would come stop her, uh, that she was looking out the window, hoping somebody would come. And Lee told the interviewers that when no one came, she stabbed the children and herself. Uh, and the doctor, the officer also testified that Lee stated three times during the interview that she intended to kill her children. This goes on and on. It's unbelievable. All right. So uh, jurors ended up determining that the attacks were premeditated and that Lee was legally sane at the time. Now, I want to rewind to something really quick that we had said very at the very beginning where this article was stating that less than 4% of violent acts are committed by people that have a mental illness. Now, you compare that, you, you put that up against what we also talked about, that vi- firearm violence research is very thin and not funded well. And so there is so much more for us to to start to learn about mental illness and violence and their how they how they coalesce that although this gentleman is using the bare amounts of data that he has to come up with the number that says less than 4% who really knows it, because this has to be researched more right yeah so um they thought she was legally sane in 2015 Tway Lee was sentenced to 11 years to life for the attempted murder of her two daughters. And to date, this is uh, this is what frustrates me. I can't find a lot on where exactly she is. Often, lawyers appeal rulings and sentences can be reversed or converted into confirmed, accepted insanity pleas. And the person disappears because you can't track somebody who is currently being uh, monitored for mental illness in a in a in any kind of a penal colony, if you will. So I don't know where she's at. I don't know. But she's still in prison. I think. I don't know. I, I don't wait, no, she got eleven years to laugh. That was thirteen years ago, because that happened in two thousand nine, September. Well yeah, and then twenty she was sentenced in twenty fifteen to eleven years. So the, the eleven years would be t- what would that twenty twenty six would be when she could get out if she was just given the very minute, but it was 11 years to life. 
but I can't find her. And I can, I can look into every prison in the United States and I, I can't find her in any of them at the moment, which is weird. Could she be in a mental institution? Yes. And that's kind of what I was saying is it's possible that her lawyers went and tried to get a reversal. And if that happened, you know, in on a Friday at 5 p.m., the news media is not alerted to it. So we're not alerted to it. So that could just happen. And then <clears throat> her record inside the prison is more or less expunged or 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 put under wraps. And now she's in a mental institution somewhere. Yeah. And we don't know it. But I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. All right. Okay. But Kent, I wanted to ask you, after hearing all that went on, what in the world do you think could have been done to prevent this? What could have been done? Knife control. <laughs> Knife control. Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't think anything Another could have been very done. unfunded research. I don't think don't anything think could have been yeah. done. No, I mean, unless she was throwing up heavy signs uh, to people close to her beforehand, yeah. I don't think anything could have been done. One of the things that I really struggle with is that mental illness is part of everyday life. And like the article that I referenced at the beginning stated, it's, it isn't at the forefront of a majority of actual violent crimes, even if it is pled that way by just about every defense attorney. There seems to be a big disparity between mental illness as it factors into violence and how it's used as a tool in the, the court system, which I think confuses everything. It confuses factoring in what the cops saw days, weeks, months prior, and and what the family experienced. I think that if there should be some kind of law put in place that says okay if you want to use the insanity plea that's fine but if we determine during the court case that you are not insane and you're trying to use an insanity plea your sentence is therefore doubled it's interesting that you say that because in california uh there was an article that i was reading with regard to this case in particular i believe it was actually the court documents it states that in a case where you're attempting to make a plea of insanity on attempted murder, which is what this would have been chalked up to as attempted murder. If you're making a play for that and it becomes determined that you are sane, you could do life good for the crime. And I think that's why the sentence was 11 years to you know, potential bolt on of, of life, which I'm a hundred percent behind to me, to me that, that kind of, um, callousness i guess to try to use to try to play that card is the same as like uh people that claim uh sexual violence yeah. when it never happened you're ruining you're yeah. ruining lives you're ruining lives and you should be Absolutely. held accountable for that i think yeah um you know it where i really scratched my head though is you think about and the history showed that there were days, there were weeks, there were months prior to this where the police had experience with Tway Lee. The family had those same experiences days, weeks, months prior. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So you asked me what could have been done. Something should have been done in this case. Yeah. Absolutely. Because there was plenty of red flags. Yeah. 
I counted it up. There's about 35 states in the United States that follow something called the Baker Act. And you can be Baker Acted. What that means to be Baker Acted is that in these states, look it up, see if your state's in there. I just didn't want to read off all 35. I thought that'd be annoying. I don't even read off a list of shout outs to people. So why am I going to read off 35 states? But um, what it means to be Baker Acted is that in certain circumstances, your family or relatives can commit you uh, based on your mental incompetency, if it can be proven to be institutionalized. Um, And that's the only thing that could kind of come to my mind in this case is, but at the same time, was she throwing enough heat when it came to her mental instability to even if she lived in a state like that to justify being Baker acted. I, that's mm, mental illness is such a weird, ominous, could be dangerous, might not be 4% or more. You know, there's, it's so fuzzy. I, I did come up with one more thing. And as of this recording, I don't want anybody to think that this is a, 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 an unsolicited uh, pitch, but we, we aren't sponsored by BetterHelp, uh, which BetterHelp is kind of a new way of offering help uh, to people that might need it for things like mental health support. It makes professional therapy accessible mm-hmm. and affordable, where in other cases it might not be. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime and just about anywhere from your phone or computer or other means it's in my opinion it's pretty revolutionary anyway yeah gotta pay the bills <laughs> it's not an ad i promise uh i, I wanted to give uh, what based on that i wanted to give you one more did you know uh, uh to those who might be struggling and are looking for help check out better help it's easy to check out and you've I've got the ad read right here do you want me to just <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull it up. Hold on. It, I know. I knew it when I wrote that. I was like, oh, this is going to sound like an ad. There's actually one more thing. And it kind of came to mind when I was thinking about the Baker Act and that you could be Baker Acted by loved ones. And sometimes, heck, I've got I've got people in my own family. And the, the dilemma is what happens when you're an addict and you're so far gone that you can't make critical thinking dis- decisions for yourself or your future or your health or your sanity? Somebody should be able to in my opinion. And that might be harsh. Maybe some people would disagree with that. I'm also a big advocate of agency, but there's one thing that BetterHelp does that I thought was pretty interesting. Did you know you can actually gift a membership of BetterHelp to someone that that might need it? And I thought that was kind of powerful because there could be a lot of people that are listening that have loved ones that are struggling with mental health issues and they're not, they're not sure how to to help that person. And those people with mental health issues aren't sure to how to even bridge that gap. You can gift a membership of BetterHelp to somebody. So check that out too. Promo code 911. Oh my gosh. Smooth <laughs> operator. Check it out, betterhelp.com. A better way. What's what's there? A better yeah, way to so. get help? It's right here on Is the that? paper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> be so funny like a week ago better helps like now we want this to sound like you almost don't want to recommend us you know my favorite saying from last podcast on the left marcus park says uh mental health is not your fault but it is your responsibility Ooh, i like that yes 
uh, and I love that. I love Marcus Parks, but that's one of something that he he says a lot, and I think it's very very true. It's not your fault; it's your responsibility, though. Boy, and you know, from where I'm sitting, I'd even ask the question. Is mental health just the responsibility of the person that's mentally ill or also the responsibility of the people around you that love you? Um, I think that's putting a little bit. I, I mean, I think a lot of time, like drug addiction is uh, uh, many. I think most of the time a a mental health problem. But. No matter how bad families want to do something. They can't. So, yeah. As much as I wish that it could be the responsibility of other people, I think ultimately it's only it's on you. Yeah, I guess you're you're right. I I didn't mean that for that to sound like they're they're accountable or responsible for somebody else. Um, I just wish there were more resources where people who were who loved someone who was dealing with addiction or mental health issues knew that they could be empowered to help that person, yeah. you know. That's betterhelp.com <laughs> promo code. <laughs> you know what? I will I will announce it from the rooftops if we end up me being sponsored by BetterHelp now. I will I will I'll say it like How 30 How much are they giving us per thousand <laughs> listens? Currently zero. <laughs> uh wink wink. You know what might help is if you do go to BetterHelp, try putting in the code 911podcast and it won't work, but they'll be like, "What? They might Who get us is- in there." Who is recommending? We got to get these guys now. Yeah, we got to yeah. pay them some money. Anyway, I feel like this went really self-serving. So uh, I have a happy ending. Just like the lady from our last 911 call. <laughs> <laughs> I believe her massage parlor was called Tway's Touch. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, okay. Uh, here we go. You ready for me to hit play on this happy ending? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Here we Just go. hit it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Nine one one. I first chuckled at this one. I was like, ha, ah, that's funny. And then I was like, oh, that's serious. And then I thought, dang it, lady, you could have spun this differently. And it, they would have showed up. You could have been like, this is a life or death emergency. I need somebody. Especially if it's an me. antipsychotic. Yeah. What if she was like, that's not a life-threatening uh, situation. What if she was like, all right, give it three hours. Yeah. I'll see you at the mall. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> but you're not kidding. You're not kidding there. I mean, that's that's the thing with this kind of thing. And what's what's uh, what's really interesting is this got me thinking even more. When I heard this call, I got past the chuckles and I was like, I wonder if that's actually a thing. So as far as I can tell, this is actually a growing trend uh, with 911 calls coming into locations everywhere in the United States, especially, and maybe maybe elsewhere. Yeah, gas prices. 
Yeah, right? Not everybody has a moped they can just get on. This is something that many places are starting to take seriously. So you can check in your own state or county. But many places are now allowing police and other first responders to deliver prescriptions to individuals in certain cases. It's like, you know, it's like Grubhub for meds. Business opportunity there. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Drug hub. Somebody hop on this. (laughs) It's like DoorDash for prescriptions, like DoorStash. (laughs) I'm out of jokes. I don't have anything left. But uh, that was good, Op. That was a good episode. Thanks. Thanks. It was long. I know I kind of pulled a Shakespeare at the beginning there and talked a lot before we got into the call but if you're still listening thanks for listening um and i've got more kent and i are burned out we've been talking for like five literally if five straight hours yeah so we'll, we'll we talked for two hours before we ever recorded anything so yeah i've never told a man i love him so much so my back hurts <laughs> that's a weird thing to say right after i say i love you it's because i arch it <laughs> the way i do you know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I guess. I doubt. But yeah, I guess. All right, everybody. Hugs. Bye. <laughs>